Today's guest is Sean Shakarami. What we have here is an entrepreneur that has published a book, and the book covers the gamut of the last 10 years of his life, which included a long-standing corporate career, four stepping out and starting a technology company. Now, although this show is geared specifically towards entrepreneurs who may already be there, there's always those few who are listening who do have a corporate career and are tuning in because they want to be inspired. And the right inspiration can trigger that final decision of stepping away from whatever they were doing so they can step into who they can become as entrepreneurs. And this episode is that opportunity. Hearing Sean's story should motivate you to do that because he goes from being super corporate all the way up, one step away from becoming partner, realizing what that looks like and realizing that that's not where he wants to be, only to find, well, what am I supposed to do? And then the journey, traversing that journey over into starting a technology company, that was a conversation that was floating around between him and a friend, taking that leap and then losing those friendships, which inevitably happens when you become an entrepreneur. When you step forward, there will be things that cannot come with you. And this is one of those episodes that helps you really hear that. So without further ado, Sean Shakarami. Everyone talks about writing. And I think this is a perfect place to start because a lot of entrepreneurs, they get into the hustle and bustle and some of them have it on the bucket list. I'm going to write a book. Right now, you not only have started multiple businesses, but you published a book. And from what I hear, you're writing another book, right? So there's a lot going on. You sound like an entrepreneur doing a lot, you know, got a lot of plans, lots of ambitions. What was it like the day that you hit publish on your first book? The day that I hit publish, um, that was a little bit surreal. Uh, I actually didn't hit publish. I would say for people that, you know, are entrepreneurial and want to write a book, aspire to write a book, find a good publisher. I was very fortunate. And I don't believe in coincidences. It's a crazy story when you really think about it. I, I do believe that our thoughts and our intentions, when backed by true belief, which true belief is proved out through actions, so through our actions, are put into motion, we do begin to manifest our own destinies, our own realities. And this is a perfect illustration of what I mean by that. So I had actually sat down old school to write this book. I'd gotten through three chapters. And I told myself, okay, working in corporate America, it was a total grind. I was working 70-ish hours a week. But on top of that, I was shutting down at like nine or 10 o'clock at night and then signing on to Udemy and Coursera and self-teaching my self-learning AI and machine learning algorithms. And as I'm writing this book and I'm trying to get a chapter done a week, I got a LinkedIn message from a great woman named Chris Colley. She heads up a, a company called Game Changer Publishing. And I had just redone my LinkedIn to talk about all the neat, cool things I had been self-learning in AI and machine learning. And she said, hey, I saw your LinkedIn profile. I saw the amazing things that you've been posting about having to do with AI, machine learning. She goes, have you ever thought about writing a book? And look, I get it. I get a lot of LinkedIn messages. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast go through that. You know, some are more spammy than others, but 
you can tell the genuine and the authentic people from, from the spammers, right? I like to think I have a good judge of character. And I would like to think that most of you listening to this have a good judge of character. And I could tell she was very genuine. And I, I answered back and I said, well, speak of the devil. Um, I actually am writing a book. I'm three chapters in, you know? And so one thing led to another and I ended up hiring her to be my publisher. So they hit the publish button, but that day was, was very surreal. I love that. It sounds like you leave room for surprise from the universe, if you will, right? Uh, which I think is an interesting characteristic. And I, and I, and I want to get into whether or not you see that as part of peak performance and, and, and what it means to be in life, uh, to be a high performer in life. Because sometimes entrepreneurs tend to try to control every facet of their life as much as possible. And that can lead to burnout. Have you ever experienced burnout yourself? And is this where that ability to trust and what's happening around you comes into play? Or is this just something you've always had? Yeah, and I think we hit on two things that are connected. So first off, yes, I have experienced burnout. Um, where I really learned the technicalities, I'll call it the specifications of triggering the flow state was, was through a course with, um, I still work with them called the flow research collective. It's headed by a gentleman named Stephen Kotler, who is a four time, at least a four time New York time, bestselling author. Uh, he's, he wrote the book rise of Superman, uh, stealing fire, um, Abundance co-wrote Abundance uh, with another kind of futurist author. Then the other the other gentleman's name is Ryan Doris, and they are the world's preeminent uh, research organization in, into the flow state, into flow state consciousness. And uh, they teach Marines, Navy SEALs, executives from Google, Deloitte, KPMG. It's an incredible organization. And that's where I learned the technical specifications of what does it require to get in this flow state consciousness. And um, there is a spiritual element. There is. Um, so I will say, yes, leaving room for your spirituality, for the universe. For me, I'm a man of faith. I'm a man of the Christian faith. Leaving room for, for God to do work in my life is extremely important. I have experienced burnout. Um, and I do agree. I think we can experience burnout from trying to grip too tight and, and, and take too much control over our lives and what's happening in our lives. But what I learned was that burnout, everyone think, seems to think that burnout is driven by characteristics of overwork and overburden. There's actually uh, six different reasons for burnout. Only one has to do with overwork. And that is actually the least common reason why people experience burnout. Um, I can't remember all five off the top of my head, but a lot of it has to do with like toxic work environment, um, a lack of recognition, a misalignment of values 
And then the other two kind of fall in those same buckets has to do with like an environment that you're not comfortable in or some type of misalignment of values between your teammates, your colleagues, or your boss or the organization as a whole. And that's kind of a big one, right? Because we're seeing that kind of lack of leadership right now without going on too much of a tangent where our Gen X do not understand Gen Z. So Gen X are the basically the children of the baby boomer generation. They have they kind of grew up in the boiler room, Wolf of Wall Street days, money, 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 money. Um, you know, everything is at, you know, everything's about the almighty dollar bill. And now we have this generation Z where I mean they're even more strongly um incentivized by their purpose and their vision for their life, even more so than my generation, millennials. We're kind of kind of in the middle here with like, yeah, money's important. But it's not the end all be all like Gen Z is like, screw the money, man. Screw it. You know, uh, and Gen X does not understand that mentality at all. And um, when I experienced burnout, it was because of misalignment of values. I was getting to the point in my self-development, um, in my career where I understood the corporate game, which um, shameless pitch. I do put the 10 step plan of, of the corporate game of, of how to rise the ranks and accelerate your career in my book resonate um, for both entrepreneurs and corporate America, but it's, it's easily laid out for people trying to rise the ranks in corporate America where I was like, what am I doing this for? I don't like, I, there's only one more level to get. I'm 31 years old. I'm a director. I straddle two service lines. I'm going to make 250 to $300,000. I just sold $2 million in revenue. I've a, I built a new product, have a million dollar pipeline. Um, the only thing about my job that I enjoy is when I get to coach and help other people. That's it. That's the only part I enjoy. I did enjoy selling a little bit. Um, and that's just because, man, I love getting in the Tony Robbins state of mind and like managing my states and, you know, some like, like the, the, the game of like reading people and reading the room and being like, okay, is this kind of like your, do I need to come in curious? Do I need to come in soft? Do I need to come in energetic and bring that boldness, bring that liveliness? Um, what's the energy of the room? How do I raise that energy of the room? So I did enjoy that aspect. I enjoyed the selling aspect and I enjoyed the coaching and mentorship, but like the execution of the work and like what we were doing, basically writing book reports, I, I was done with it. And there was only one more level to get and it was partner. And I, long story short, my partner who I thought I was really close with, um, it was all, it's almost like a, like star Wars is a great analogy. Like, um, I guess it would just be roles flip-flopped, right? Like it would be like if Anakin was older, if Obi-Wan was the one who went to the dark side, like I had this great mentor and he was like a director and even a managing director. And then once he signed that partnership agreement, it was like Darth Sidious, you know, you know, Darth Vader full-fledged. And I was like, man, I ain't going to the dark side. I'm just, I'm just not, that's not me. You know, because like, I tell you what, man, anyone, if anyone's listening to this and they work in an accounting firm and they ever had a friend who moved from like director to partner, they know immediately all of a sudden, like when you think that person's going to crack a joke, they'll, it'll be just like this. Well, I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> well, well, yeah, partners don't say stuff like that. And I, look, I know what's happening is they, they signed an agreement. 
they sign an agreement. They basically, you want to talk about selling your soul, those partnership agreements, that, that's the sell your soul aspect of, of corporate America. I love this because it gets into a shift in values and whether or not, like you said, it's aligned, right? And as you established earlier, there's, there's a certain value you place above all others, which allows you to be fearless in your operation and to know that the next level that was left in your journey in the corporate career was one that was going to force that on you. I can see or I can anticipate without you having to say that that simply wasn't going to work for you. Not even to mention the heartbreak of watching someone you were close to suddenly become somebody you couldn't work with anymore, which automatically, like you said, was one of those factors that also comes in, uh, taps into burnout. So that creates an experience, an environment, if you will, where it just didn't make sense anymore. What ended up, were you running businesses, is a better way of saying this, were you running businesses during the time that you were doing that as well while you were in a corporate career? Or was it from there you began to take the steps to to step into the light for yourself and say, I'm going to run and do my own thing? Yeah, so it's a really interesting story. And um, probably the first time that I, I'm going to be this vulnerable and this open about it. So um, I was not running businesses. I had an idea. And it was spun from all the work I was doing to self-learn AI and machine learning. And essentially, my idea was to automate what we were already doing. I never thought that was going to be a big deal in my line of business because I worked in, in corporate merger and acquisitions. I mean, large merger and acquisitions. And every deal is different and every deal is nuanced. And a lot of deals have their own very high you know, complexities. And so I was going in the past several years thinking, okay, AI, machine learning, you know, I've always been uh, interested in technology, but I wasn't worried about technology ever threatening my job or my way of life or my earnings power uh, because I thought I had such a specialized knowledge, specialized skill set. And about a year ago, actually to the day, uh, we were working on a very large transaction with a client that wanted the impossible done. They wanted the impossible done. And the only way to do the impossible, I actually found one way. And it was based off something I had done a long, long time ago in a totally different application, like by writing code to like automate it. Cause only a computer could go through a billion rows of data, not a human. And um, so I got with a couple of our other teammates in a different service line and um, we wrote the code together and, and we, we delivered the impossible. And that's when I knew, holy crap, my job can be automated. And you know what? If it can be automated, it's only a matter of time before it is automated. So I damn sure is going to be the one to automate it. And yes. so it sparked me on this, <laughs> this path. And so what happened was I did all this research and um, essentially... What happened was I came up with this idea of, okay, this is how we can automate and go to market with this product. And um, the partners loved it. They loved it. And I said, okay, well, I've been doing this at like from like 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. in the morning. So I need daytime hours, working hours to continue to work on this. And oh, by the way, it's my idea. So I want 51%. No, you can't have 51%. I said, okay, I want 10% royalties in perpetuity. No, 
I said, okay, well, if I'm not going to get anything for this, then uh, I don't work for free. And they said, well, you'll make partner really fast. And I said, I said, um, so here's the thing. I don't want to be a partner. You should have seen their jaws drop. They'd never been, no one had ever told them, I don't want to be a partner. You know, it was like, uh, it does not compute, you know, that, <laughs> um, and they're like, what do you mean you don't want to be a partner? And I basically said the exact same thing. I said, you, I said, look, I've seen what the partnership agreement does to you. I don't want to be like you. Like, I'm not going to name names, but I'll be like, dude, you just told me that I need to spend more time with my daughter be- because you regret all the time you put into your career and that you're not close with your son and, and, your, and your wife and you have marital problems. Like, I don't want that life. And, and I said, like, look, like you're talking about decent money and I'm talking about generational wealth over here. I'm talking about like a technology business, ARR, not, you know, book reports and, and every year trying to rebuild your book of business. Um, and I, look, I tried to make it work. I, it meant a lot to me because there's 30 people on that team. And I kept saying, hey, no matter what you guys do, you need to fight to be able to get these applications and start learning this. Because like, if you're working on Microsoft Excel and Microsoft PowerPoint, which are things that I call static environment, I call it a static environment because yes, you can link different spreadsheets together and it'll populate. But I mean, like if you are not plugging into your client systems or you're not really integrating things to where everything is automated to where your data is being populated in real time, that then you're not, you, then whatever you're doing is obsolete basically. Cause that's where every, everything is moving to total integration, real time, real time. Uh, in fact, um, your last guest talked about, or not your last guest. Uh, so the September 30th show with med, uh, med tech, the motorcycle guy. Yeah, I don't know why I'm yeah. blanking on the name. Yeah, I'm so, yeah, but yeah, he yeah. talked about like um, how important things are to update in real time. And so um, long story short, I decided to leave to pursue that business and then also chase my passion of helping and empowering people just based on the fact that it just wasn't going to work anymore. Yeah, man. I mean, I can imagine that is what you call the inflection point where you not only saw the future, tried to bring everything you had done up to that point along with you and came to the conclusion that life wasn't going to let you take everything you did so far with you, at least those people. You were going to have to go at this alone. And it's really interesting because here you have this longstanding corporate career and now you're running a technology company, right? Like you said. What was that shift like? Because for many entrepreneurs, right, let's say a lot of them just start doing that, right? And they may have been doing whatever they were doing. Maybe they just graduated from college. Maybe they didn't even graduate from college and just went into that, but they read all the books. And you have struck in me as a lifelong learner. So there's a high probability that you had always been reading about these things, Uh so it all just coalesced with your work experience and the things you'd read and you said, I'm doing it, right? Um, was that the case? Because it sounded like you, you mentioned earlier that you had the idea of what you wanted to do and then realized, wow, it's really possible. And then said to yourself, yeah, I'm going to be the one doing this because that's how you secure the bag. That's how you establish the future and it'll take care of my family. And if this is going to happen to my job anyways, 
I might as well be the one leading the charge. So was it difficult to then step into the mindset of I'm building a technology company or did all your, all your work and all the Tony Robbins training and all the spirituality training, did it help you just step into the state right away and just go into it? Yeah, it's, it's been a roller coaster, at least. So I have been an entrepreneur before. Um, I started in corporate, went entrepreneurial in 2021. Between 2020 and 2021, I made record money as an entrepreneur. The only issue with that last entrepreneurial endeavor was I was still trading time for money. And I ended up going back to corporate America because I we had just moved into a new home. I just had my first child. We had gone through COVID and I actually suffered from long COVID and I got very lucky. I got very, very lucky um, because we had just got paid on a large, large, like I got paid almost for a full year of work right before I got paid, uh, right before I got COVID the first time that would have been November, basically November, end of October, November of 2020. So we're heading up on like the three year anniversary of that. And it took me about six or seven months to fully recover from COVID. And I ended up going back to corporate America thinking that, you know, what if I'd had long COVID or got really sick, unhealthy, and I didn't have like a full year's worth of money to sit on? Could have lost my, not only would I have lost my business, could have lost my house. And, um, now I found new workarounds. Like God is really good about when you're really manifesting, bringing those people into your life. But you touched on a lot of things in that question that, that I want to make sure I hit. Like, yes, I've been a lifelong learner. I've probably read thousands and thousands of books. I mean, I'm looking over here in my little office that I can't really like use right now because I kid you not, there are 10 to 12 Amazon boxes full of books. They haven't even opened yet because I just bought <laughs> like, um, I try not to go on Amazon and look at books because it just leave one thing leads to another. And I, I try to do the whole Kindle thing, but I like, I love the, the book, like the physical, tangible book. I have to have it. Um, one of my dreams was to always have one of, one of the best libraries, personal libraries, and I have a pretty darn good one. Um, and so all that synthesized knowledge the the knowing what it's like to start businesses, um, all of that did help prepare me. But you touched on something that is so true, and it is so prevalent. And like, if you go read the autobiographies of other successful entrepreneurs, it's this common thread of right at the breakthrough, like the big one, everything gets stripped away everything gets stripped away. And you talked about losing people. Yeah. I lost some people. I like, when I left my job, I knew I was going to leave some coworkers. Um, even the ones that I helped and that I was close to, which is, this is a good, this is a good piece of advice for anyone listening, corporate America, whoever you're working for, working with they're you're a team, your team, nothing more. You can be acquainted if you want to be friends, I would say you can be friends within reason, but they'll never really be your closest friends. And if they are your closest friends, then really whoever it is, is taking advantage of you because you are not as close to them as you think you are, as they are to you. Um, you're not a family. 
Um, I'm glad that's finally making its way around LinkedIn of like, business is not about family. It's not about building a family. My home, my home is about building my family. My business is about empowering and leading and building a legacy, but I'm building a team. And with a team is comes conditions, right? A business is conditional. A business is conditional on one, making a profit. If you don't make a profit, you will not survive. A business is conditional on people working together and taking care of their responsibilities, being accountable to their roles, their responsibilities, and to each other. I love my business. I do love my team, but it is a conditional love. My family, it's unconditional. I have a three, I have a three, almost four-year-old daughter. She could go and take my brand new, you know, $4,000 cinema line Sony camera and just bash it to pieces. And I would be very upset, but I would still love my daughter. It's unconditional. It's unconditional. There's nothing in the world that my daughter or my wife could do to me that, yes, it would hurt. I'm not saying I, I wouldn't be frustrated, upset, or angry, but there's nothing they could do to lose my love because it's unconditional. It's different. It's different. And it's important to know that difference because I struggled with an absent father in my life. And when I went to work, I consistently looked at my boss, especially if he was a male, and subconsciously made him a father figure and took so much pride in their praise and in their evaluations of me that when things didn't always go my way, it didn't just feel like a, oh, uh, you know, I got something I can work on. It felt like, uh, you know, back when I was three or four years old, it felt like that rejection of my father. So you can't be going in the workplace looking or with that, with that lack, that emptiness, because your subconscious is going to, is going to fill those voids where it can. Um, and I see a lot of that, a lot more than people think in the workplace. Um, so as far as like losing things and losing people, uh, it's crazy because there's, there's actually, I, I need to write a, like a third book called like beyond resonate because there's a point where you know, the, the, the transcript's been finalized and then it goes into like final editing and it doesn't even take that long. It's about a four to six week period where you're finished with the book and before they hit the, like the button to go live. And over those four to six weeks, I kid you not, I lost almost every friend, my best friend. I had a best friend that we talked about this type of business forever. Um, more so than coaching and, um, you know, like I do like a Bible study podcast and, um, I have a non nonprofit as well, where we're trying to give back. And, um, we talked about going into business. He's a very talented, creative, uh, a t very talented artist. And he decided that he wanted, he didn't want to do the business with me anymore, which that that's fine. But what he really did was over the course of a few weeks, just rather than just be a man about it and just say, hey, I don't want to do this. He just ignored me. And um, he's also a little bit older than me. So when he finally did talk to me, he came across very condescending and very kind of like big brother to little brother. And I just said, hey, man, you're not going to talk to me like that. 
And I just said, you know, like, I, I like respect your opinion, but you went like two or three weeks of just ignoring me and ignoring my phone calls. And half the time or like more than more than half the time I was calling you, it was just kind of shoot the breeze. And if you can't look at me like as your buddy, like you used to look at me and we're going to shoot the breeze together, then we're not really friends. And like, I'm cutting this out. You have to be willing to cut out all the distractions, all the naysayers, all the haters. I don't talk to my parents. I don't talk to my sister. Uh, Almost every relationship was stripped away, but every relationship was then replaced and was replaced with someone at the next level. And so I'll give you kind of an example. I wrote a newsletter article about this. uh, I think it's called the power of five or my five. So I'm sure you've heard the quote of you are the average of the five people closest to you, the five people that you spend the most time with, right? And uh, I just gotten to a Billy Allsbrook's seminar and he asked us to write down those five people. And then he went an extra, extra step. And he said, I want you to grade them on a scale of one to five. And, um, you know, he said, like, not your wife, like your friends. And I struggled for a minute. And I was like, man, like, who am I going to put here? Like, I don't I don't talk to barely anybody anymore. And then names started popping my head. Well, Marcus Taylor. So Marcus Taylor is has over 50 million YouTube streams. And he's my, one of my personal mentors. I talk with Marcus Taylor once a week at least. And I had just gotten done. Um, I went to Cleveland two weeks ago for like a VIP day and met him in person and got trained by him uh, one-on-one in person. So I wrote Marcus Taylor down. Same thing with Dr. Billy Osbrooks. I'm in a a group, a small group of just seven people. We do a weekly like Bible study um, and, and it comes with like a one-on-one component. So I train in a small group and a one-on-one with Dr. Billy, Billy Allsbrook from a spiritual and religious perspective. Um, and then there's another gentleman by the name of Joe McGrail, which is a funny story, but he is a sales consultant with an outstanding out, outbound email framework that is totally changed the trajectory of my business. But not only that is he's become a friend, a confidant and and a coach business coach for me as well. Um, Another gentleman by the name of Manny Sombroni. If you follow me on LinkedIn, you'll see that he likes, and I try to like as much stuff on his page. He is a financial planner who uh, came to me when I didn't have much, anything to give him just made referral after referral, very, just one of the most genuine and authentic people you'll ever meet. And, um, he came to me with a financial plan that is based on my future and not where I am today. And to long story short, he, he basically gave me like a one percenter plan and said, it's not about where you are. It's where I see you going. And even though like when we met, you were upset and you didn't see it, he goes, I saw it for you. And this is how we're going to get you there. It was the most, it was one of the most just like coolest, best meetings um, I've ever had. And then, um, you know, my last one is probably Caleb, who's my publicist, who who helped me get on the show. And um, just an amazing guy, amazing team over there. I love and So that. You, what you see is you, those relationships are replaced with people who are adding value to you rather than sucking value out of you. Yeah, I was I was saying I really love that you went into detail about 
the people you keep close to you because it is definitely a thing that entrepreneurs struggle with where the deeper they get into their business as a leader, you know, you can't relate to your team that way. It's like you said, it's, it's not family. If, if it's a team and there's certain things they're never going to know. And there are all these peer networks that get launched. You know, uh, you can name the top five that are pretty much in every city now at this point, right? And, you know, from the Rotary Club on, right? They tried to fill that void for entrepreneurs because it is lonely when you become a leader because you're the one paving the path. So the fact that you had gone, and again, just showing your lifelong learning, you're at these places, they're asking these questions and you're doing the work and you're sitting there thinking. Right. And you're not going the easy way and just putting whoever you genuinely took time to think, who is it that really, really creates the light in my life and who I want to continue to do the same for them. Right. And that that's such an important uh, place to anchor yourself, because then that feeds into the DNA of the way you run your company, your team, the way you view your product and its impact. Right. All of those things are connected. The thing about entrepreneurship that I've seen, and I'm glad that you shared the story, is that I have seen it impact every facet of your life. You like to think that things are personal and then business, but truly when you become an entrepreneur and there's ownership involved, it's all connected. And so this holistic approach and being aligned and taking the time to be the best version of yourself is the best investment you can make in running a business. And it's apparent in your story as we review the the climb and and then the the lateral jump over to a, a new lane as an entrepreneur. And so then when you step into making all this happen, uh, we we left off where, you know, you turned down their offer and decided to go on your own. Did you decide to bootstrap this because you understood coding and you knew you could hire people to do it or did you raise money for this? Yeah, so I, uh, I bootstrapped it with selling my car, my 401k, and then a small circle of close friends uh, put in a little bit of money. All in. You went all in. (laughs) All in. Burned the ships, went all in. um, And I don't regret it. No matter what happens, I I don't regret it. You know, if we have to put the house on the market, because I know it's only a matter of time before we win. And here's the other thing is I did start a business in college. And there's two lessons to take from that. But the biggest mistake there was I was about two years too early to the market. And being too early is a mistake. And um, it was a text message marketing company. It was really cool. We had a short code, had low overhead. We went to bars and restaurants around TCU. And we basically said, hey, we'll put up these little table toppers. People text, you know, loyalty to this 99000. And you're instantly going to get their cell phone number, like basically in your constant contact bag and then you can send out mass text messages you know say on thursday at three o'clock when people are getting out of class say hey you know come on over get a uh you know free french fries with your burger or you know uh extra hour of happy hour whatever whatever you wanted to promote right and and there's a little bit of success but i was young i had school and then um it ultimately didn't work out i knew it was too early when about four years later I had saved that short code because I had a really good short code, 99000, super easy to remember. I'd saved it in my phone as, it was called Buzzware. That's what I called it, Buzzware. And uh, I remember my phone buzzed 
And uh, I looked at it and it, and it said buzzware. And I thought, am I having like, am I on like ayahuasca? Like did someone put some magic mushrooms like in my coffee this morning? Like how did buzzware text me? Like buzzware has been dead since like college. Like what in the hell? I open it up and it's a promotional text message from Camp Gladiator. I, I, I don't know where you're, where you're at if you know what Camp Gladiator is, but it's this like group fitness, kind of like CrossFit. Where you, you know, you pay 40 bucks, you get like group training outdoors and you go do CrossFit style training. And what had happened though was, you know, those short codes get recycled and that Camp Gladiator had had purchased the 99000. I, I thought that was like a really special moment just in my life of saying like, you know what? It wasn't a bad idea. You were just a little too early on your execution. And I remembered that. I still remember that to my that day. It's also the reason why I started two businesses and a nonprofit. I have an AI software company, but I also write books. I do public speaking. I coach and mentor. And uh, it was just in case that if my AI business, which is taking a little bit of time, it's longer sales cycles, um, you know, with the environment the way it is it's it's nothing e- easy it, it's simple but it's not easy and so i bring that up to say that i know it's only a matter of time but it's only a matter of time for something else that is already happening so i've been predicting and you like if people want to be honest and i can go back through my posts to find it and through old videos ever since last december I've been saying you're going to see significant layoffs every six months for the next three to five years until at least one third of U.S. jobs are replaced or just gone. Now, will they eventually be replaced with more like AI technology jobs? Probably so. Probably so. But that takes time. And it also takes reskilling and upskilling and it's a completely new skill set. So just because jobs are replaced doesn't mean that people are not displaced. I'll repeat that one more time. Just because a job gets replaced does not mean that people are not displaced. So that's the whole reason why my nonprofit Shepherd's Gate is I do have a friend battling stage four cancer. So we we tweaked the mission statement, but it is to help the American worker that's displaced, whether through disability, disease, or disruptive technology. And less than a month ago, I had a buddy, buddy, send me a, a LinkedIn article. Hey, did you see the jobs report? It's glowing. Jobs exceeded. And I just said, I just said, remember, man, life is a big paradox and always believe the opposite of what the news is telling you. So just yesterday, I I actually put out my first like future proof kind of advertisement video, which is kind of my premier coaching course program. And um, what that teaches is all the things I've learned in self-learning AI, like the exact AI tools I use to augment and optimize my workflows, my work days alongside how to trigger flow, but also how to use flow for the creative process, how to build because I had to learn a whole new skill sets. Like I told you, my buddy, who's the artist, didn't come work with me. I had to learn, okay, how do I get on Canva and, and make this stuff look cool? And, and I'm not an artist. Right? I don't draw very well. So how, how do I make stuff look cool and pretty? How do I copyright? 
How do I get hooks and call? What's a call to action? How do I make videos? How do I set up a set? You know, I learned all that. All this was self-taught. I don't have a team. You know, Marcus tells me, Sean, make sure people don't understand that you don't have a team. You, you made your own websites. Uh, some of them are more like just landing pages right now because I'm building them myself. Um, and I, I say all that because if you're not constantly learning, if you're not adopting new skill sets, if you don't know how to trigger flow, how to recover from flow, how to learn, how to grow, how to look at something and be like, you know what, that doesn't seem easy, but I can do it. I can learn it. And I'm willing to put in the time to figure it out. You're going to get laid off. That's the cost of not doing this. The cost of not self-improving is you're going to be laid off and you're not going to have the mindset to fix it. You will be left behind. And it's happening right now as we speak. It has nothing to do with um, cycles, okay? We just went on a, we all, if you're in business school, you learned that the cycle is seven years. I can prove that this is not a cycle because we just went on a 20-year bull run, really 21-year bull run, where we did this big 0% interest rate experiment. And then at the tail end of that, we had a global plague, COVID-19, which then led into a leadership and identity crisis of who are we? What do we want out of life? How do we want to work? What does work and life look like? And how do they look like that together to Russia invading Ukraine, um, the Israel-Palestine conflict erupting? And, you know, I put out yesterday, I really do foresee a big time black swan event between now and the end of the year. Um, I, if I, if I had to, I hope I'm wrong on this. Um, I'm not as certain, um, but it would not surprise me if one of those conflicts go nuclear or if China invades Taiwan. And if China invades Taiwan, that, that is essentially a formal declaration of World War III. Um, And so where does that leave? us. It leaves us where we were always before, but we are uncomfortable admitting you're on your own. And guess what? It's uncomfortable. Now, a lot of people can say no one's coming to save you. That I don't believe that. Jesus is coming back to save us, at least for the believers. Jesus is coming back to save us. So I'm not going to say no one's coming to save you, but outside of that spiritual element, you are on your own. No company, no W-2 job, no industry, no skill set by itself is going to save you. You're going to have to get scrappy. You have to get uncomfortable. You are have to push the boundaries of your mind. And you have to dig deep to develop a mindset of like a warrior. You know, you know what gets me through the hard times? What gets me through the hard times is understanding that you can take it all away, including my house and home. And I have had the, I've had the hard talks with my wife where we said, okay, like what happens if we lose the home? Okay. This is what happens. Okay. This is how we're going to, this is how we're going to stay in it. This is how we're going to rebuild it. Um, Does that mean that I want to lose my home? No, I don't want to lose my home. But what that means is, is I've made the decision that me being alive and breathing is all I need to succeed. That's it. A lot of people need a lot of other things. They need the clothes on their back. They need the the zip code. They need the Rolex. They need the car. They need the house to look a certain way. Once you're willing to surrender and give that all up, 
that's where you're going to find freedom and independence. And that's where you're going to develop the mindset of saying, hey, all this stuff is temporary. A lot of it's fake. A lot of it's just me trying to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, I am going to go do that program. Yeah, I am going to go to that Tony Robbins event. Yeah, I am going to call that coach. I am going to call Sean. I'm going to pick up Sean's book. I'm going to get in his program. I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn from somebody who's already done it so that when things get hard for me, because it's not a question of if, it's just a question of when. And I'm telling you that time is coming sooner than you think. Um, if I'm not prepared, I'm, you're, you're not going to survive. And by like survive, like will you maybe go on living? Sure. But your, your total life is going to change and it's going to change so drastically and your mindset's not going to be prepared for it that a lot of you are probably going to wish you were dead. That's how that that's that's where we're headed. Think about and look, me saying a third of US jobs, that's actually conservative. And it's not me saying that. World Economic Forum, Goldman Sachs, McKinsey and Co., those are the people, those are the think tanks uh, making these predictions. And a lot of them are saying 50%. I'm just gonna go ahead and keep it at a third, but a lot of these think tanks are saying 50%. And they're coming after white collar jobs. Remember when I, when I talked about, I thought, oh, there's no way my job, blah, blah, blah. Yes, there is a way. And it's, it's, there's, it's not, it's not a, uh, oh, it's only going to go after people who uh, are minimum wage workers. Uh Uh-uh. Uh-uh. It is coming after everybody. Yeah, man. This is, uh, this is powerful stuff. And I think it's a a perfect example of what people can expect in terms of energy, in terms of clarity of purpose that they can expect in your book, right? If anyone sat here and listened to the way the rise and the fall, the peaks and the valleys of your journey has been, and the constant investment in yourself that you continue to do, and the willingness to roll up your sleeves and, 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 and push forward, a lot of people are looking for that. How do I get there? One way is to, of course, get up online and get resonate, right? That's one way, right? The other is connect with you on LinkedIn, I imagine, and, and touch base because as somebody as scrappy as you, I imagine that you're right there in the middle of it all and willing to talk to people and connect with people because you leave room for the universe as we've established since the beginning. And it's really cool to have come full circle and to hear the way that you operate to be the best example of what people can expect in a book. Because I say, if, if you're making a book, usually it's hard to take who you are away from the book. It's immediately involved in there, right? So that's really awesome. And I'm actually really excited. And I don't know if we were able to clearly state the name of your tech company. What is it called? Yeah, it's called Opilio. So O-P-I-L-I-O dot I-O. And Opilio was chosen because it means shepherd in Latin. Mm-hmm. And um, so I have a 10-year background in healthcare. We, so my technology company is a healthcare-focused custom AI um, software slash consultancy. So essentially, we help healthcare companies through three main channels, optimizing reimbursement and the revenue cycle. Uh, enhancing and streamlining operations and then increasing patient experience. I really appreciate you going into that, Sean. It, I think that a lot of people can be empowered by hearing, by hearing those things. 
Uh, with that said, in the interest of time now, uh, I want to close it out. I want to roll out the red carpet for you. What do you specifically want people to do now that they've heard all of this? Where do you want them to connect with you specifically? What do you want them to do? Yeah. Yeah. The easiest and best thing is to go on LinkedIn right now, go on LinkedIn, type in Sean Shakarami. I will, uh, we can drop a link in the description because connecting with me on LinkedIn, you can direct message me right there. I do look and I do answer. I also have a, a virtual assistant now who can help me make sure I answer all those. And I will personally answer them. Even if my virtual assistant hits you first, I will get to you. And I still give out my personal cell phone number where you can text me. I don't know how much longer I'll be able to do that. But still right now, I give out my personal cell phone number to people who reach out to me. You can access me at any time. And then on my LinkedIn page, there's going to be a button that says visit my store. Uh, they don't let me put all the... Um, don't let me change all the language in there, but you click that visit my store button. It's going to take you straight to Amazon to purchase my book. Guys, just like Alex Ramosi says, I give away as much as I can for free or super affordable. The Kindle version of my book is only 99 cents. I would appreciate if you would invest in the paperback, but if you don't have those resources, 99 cents on the Kindle store and it will change your life. Right on. Sean, I can't thank you enough for stopping by today, man. It was a pleasure talking to you. And thank you for sharing your journey with me. Yeah, man, anytime. And um, between you and I, I'm uh, working on getting my own up. So if you'd like to come on my podcast, we'd be honored to have you. Yeah, are you kidding me? I'd be happy to, for real. Awesome, man. Thanks, dude. Cheers.